Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of that galaxy and direct from our galaxy, this is Four Center presents Other Center, and I'm Ken Napsok. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here to talk about our first jobs. It's part of this other center mission to go through all corners of our life and just put it all on the table for you. And this one's going to be fun because, man, I hadn't thought about first jobs in a long time. But before we get to all that, today's <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we will have a Four Center Recommends uh, where I get a new voice for Brian. <laughs> I, I assume you just you just uh, choked up as we all do sometimes, but I really liked it because it sounded like this was a deeply emotional statement that you're having a hard time getting out. Yeah. <laughs> it means so much to me that Audible gives free trials. And, and people always like, do you, do you guys really record live to tape? Yeah. Well, I'm not really taking that. That's what it is. That is a little bit later. We have our four center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us while I cry into my coffee. Joseph is going to take over for the ask segment. The iPhone, the Android, the Kindle, the MP3 player. It's just so beautiful. Uh, we have been asking and you have been answering. Thank you all very much. Uh, we've been focusing on getting some reviews for Other Center in uh, particular on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it could be that the uh, era of doing primarily Other Center is over uh, by the time we're done recording this, or it could be another three months. 
Uh, but we are going to continue doing some of this uh, other center, being able to talk about uh, life stuff, being able to talk about other pop culture stuff uh, outside of Star Wars or related to Star Wars. So we want to make sure that uh, people know that's a part of the podcast and a valued part of the podcast and having reviews on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. That lets other people know that you enjoy uh, the other center part of uh, our mission is really, really helpful. Thank you to those who have uh, have said nice things on the reviews. And thank you to people who have said nice things on social media and Patreon and Discord about other center really helps us keep going. It really, really does. Uh, we appreciate all of it. Uh, the live stream was fun on Friday. And yeah, yeah. Mm. hope is in the air around this city. Uh, but let us uh, see what actually happens. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I have enough false hope in life. <laughs> <laughs> Getting closer. It seems like there's a lot of papers being shoved across tables. It's looking, looking good. <laughs> there's a, Bob Iger's looking for his victory sweater. Is that what you're saying? Uh, it's, it's probably a dull gray defeat sweater. Uh, that's all coming. We're going to get to our life adventures here. Uh, kind of looking back on the week. Uh, part of the week did include other center live, but Jen, I'll bring in here. We we got the the big lowdown on the Furby costume on the live stream and what the Furby costume looks like. So if y'all are curious and missed the live stream or haven't had a chance to go back, go watch it. Jen reveals the costume. It's I a trip. Do. Yes, yes, and I I haven't worn it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a Halloween party I went to on Saturday, but it was going to be with my kids. There was going to be bounce houses. I just didn't know how mobile I needed to be mm -hmm. or like, you know, momming. It, I thought things might get spilled. Uh, and my husband's like, you spent weeks on this costume. Do you really want to wear that? And mm. I went, no, you're right. <laughs> and so then I was, it was like Saturday afternoon. I'm like, I have no costume. My husband was like, how do you not, how do you Star Wars person have no costume? I'm like, I can't go as Han Solo and Carbonite. That's really impractical. Uh, my Millennium Falcon dress, no, right? So <laughs> I was like, what could I be? He was going to be an astronaut. So I had a star dress. And then I was like, I'll make a galaxy headband with planets. And I was like trying to look up the planets. I'm like, what does Venus look like? What does Mars look like? <laughs> and then my kids wanted to paint. I'm like, whatever. Just pick the colors. We had an hour. Uh, it looked absolutely ridiculous. I felt festive. It didn't matter in the end. But I just was like, oh, my gosh. I'm barely going to get to wear my Furby costume. At least on Halloween, I'll get to wear it. But <laughs> Whatever. No, uh, it, we as people know, we record on Monday uh, and then we release on Tuesday. So the day of this release will be actual Halloween. Are you? Uh, <laughs> as people are listening to this, are you wearing the Furby costume? <laughs> uh, no, on Halloween yes. night, I will definitely be wearing okay. it. My husband's like, at least get it photographed, which is true. I'm going to photograph it. I think to, today, Monday, um, and I'm debating whether or not I'm going to wear it to my kids' school because again. Drinks could be spilled. Things could happen to Furby. And I want this costume to last. I want to wear Furby over the years. So I got to be careful with her. She is, a, is my treasure. I want you to go to your children's school with like bodyguards, you know, surrounding you like Lady Gaga in the meat dress of like, <laughs> look, but keep your distance. Josh is like we were talking about the importance of not caring what people think to my kids and like you know who cares that people might laugh at your costume and my husband's like that would be actually really funny if people started laughing at you and pointing at you look at that 
freak. Where is the furry? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell my children, see children? There's nothing wrong. I'm okay. So <laughs> who knows what can happen on Halloween? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. The importance of embracing one's weirdness. This is great. Yeah. Life Beautiful. lessons learned. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful lessons. Uh, right. Well, uh, we look forward to the saga of the Furby costume as it rolls into uh, Halloween proper. Uh, <laughs> though this episode, I forget, is released on Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. May you put, may you get the candy of your dreams. <laughs> uh, yeah, time is a weird thing. I was, uh, I was looking for uh, Life Adventures. Joseph, um, this, according to Facebook, nine years ago is the day we met. Oh, wow. That's right. Yeah, it was right before Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, roughly around the time, give or take sometimes those memories, when you post the pictures versus when it happened, is uh, the sale of Lucasfilm uh, about 11 mm. uh, years ago or so. But uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, you know, there's the photo of you and I that we took recreating the two-year friend anniversary. So that, <laughs> that's where we're at. Oh, man. I and did it, is it popping up for October 30th or October 31st? It's popping up for October 30th. Again, okay. could have been the day after. I can't remember the day, but we're around the time. And yeah. I'm looking at some very baggy blue jeans I used to wear. Um, <laughs> oof, yeah. Nine years ago. Nine or so. years. Or so. Yeah. And then like a day, maybe it was the next day. Maybe it was a day after mm. there was uh, some sort of uh, live play uh, RPG benefit that a friend from the the board gaming industry had invited me to that was hosted uh, by Matthew Mercer right. um, and had some other uh, uh, fun people and, and uh, some people who turned out to be not great people. <laughs> uh, and I'm talking about actual, you know, uh, criminal charges. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was a fun, Cause it, it, that was like months before uh, critical role started and, yeah. and everything uh, blew up for, yeah, playing role playing games on the internet. Mm, wow. God, right? Ah, what a, what a time! That's my life adventures being lost in the past. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you you had an active weekend, didn't you? Um, I uh, did. I yeah, uh, in and around uh, 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 town, uh, gearing up for some events this week, non Halloween yet Halloween related. Um, uh, got got to be around town, uh, but also just. Uh, Trying to maintain joy. Uh, I, I've been in a real hopeful mood and an accomplished mood, but then that life, career, uh, social media can kind of just slap you upside the face and, and, and make you feel sad. So uh, I, I, I've been trying, I've been trying to find moments of joy, a little walk, a step outside, um, candy. You know, not being afraid to just go. You know, this weekend we're having a lot of candy, and it's okay. <laughs> and it's okay, and and uh, being. Um, this is a, a, a theme that kind of came up in the, the interview I did with uh, Adam Knight, uh, professor Adam Knight on my, on my blathering conversations of just like, Hey, it's okay for you to be nice to yourself every now and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's been my life adventure all weekend. So it's been busy. Uh, I got to do some cool things and hang out with some cool people and all that's, uh, you know, uh, frosting on the cake. But if the cake is sad, <laughs> you mm. got to put on the cake. So that, yeah, without, that's a, is that a, va- I think it is vague posted. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it is kind of sounding like you went to an orgy. <laughs> We're a little depressed at the orgy. Got to do some fun stuff, but my heart wasn't really in it. There were a lot of cool people there. Yeah, there was, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really enjoy it, though. Yeah, yeah. The thing I was at Wednesday, 
I think the guy that hosted could be up for that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, uh, it was uh, it was it was a lesson in uh, finding your joy this weekend for me, and and uh, while also being productive. So there. yeah, mm. no, no, uh, I understand. Yeah, and, and uh, for for full uh, honesty to our listeners, we were chatting a little bit uh, off air about uh, just being a hard time mm-hmm. uh, across the board in in lots of different ways for lots of different reasons. Um, I have been definitely doing the trying to find joy. But then I got a little annoyed at myself <laughs> uh, for being like a, a, a squeaky little cheerleader to myself. And the dark side of myself was like, shut up already. It's a fine joy. So uh, I've been focusing on, you know, it's easy to slip into anger. And mm-hmm. honestly, I mentioned this before, but honestly, like not talking as often about the light side, dark side lessons. Mm-hmm. I've been finding myself slipping into anger more than I want to. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I was like, you know what? You 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 do love the Halloween season. It is a season about kind of uh, letting letting things out. Um, uh, mm. So I was just like, just just focus. Just be sad. <laughs> it's way better than angry. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I have been having lots and lots of Halloween fun and, and posting about it, uh, but also yeah, wrestling with with some of that stuff. Um, and but it's, yeah. it feels like a good a good time of the year for it a little bit of uh of processing and mourning and all that hmm. yeah a little bit the f- fall is the fall of the soul is that is that what you're saying no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's i, I think it's a sort of um it, it is a uh, not, not looking away from the hard stuff and mm-hmm. and the, the, the there's a freedom in it um yeah. I, i'm reading a book that that i'm really enjoying called uh death makes a holiday it's from 2002 uh it's by this guy who's uh, a scholar of universal horror movies and in uh, like he's dracula mm-hmm. guy he's, he's he's written the book on dracula uh, but he has mm-hmm. this relatively short book about the history uh of halloween um and examining mm-hmm. it from lots of different uh, facets but one of the ones that's really interesting to me is that America, uh, general American culture, unlike other cultures, has a really hard time looking at death and looking at it honestly and mm-hmm. dealing with it on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at Halloween from a perspective of like, it's freeing to look at the horrible truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on one hand, it's like, it's kind of depressing, but also it's freeing to just look at look it in the face and make it mm-hmm. fun and make it more alive. And other cultures are, are better at that uh, than, yeah. than general American culture. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, for me, it's a part of that whole uh, melange of like, ah, I'm going to have some fun being sad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it hurts yeah. so good sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but Sarah and I did go out and, and do some really fun things. We saw a, a movie with uh, an old movie with a live uh, orchestra playing mm. the old score, which was just fantastic because you know, sometimes that music from old movies sounds like it couldn't possibly be recreated because it sounds so old timey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, those violins are making that sound right now in front of my eyes. Amazing. <laughs> um, and this is at the, the, the theater at the Ace Hotel in uh, downtown Los Angeles, which is just mm. a beautiful, gorgeous Gothic theater, which is all decked out for Halloween, ghosts everywhere and all that sort of great stuff. And then there's a, there's a um, bar at, uh, on the roof uh, overlooking downtown Los Angeles, and that's all uh, gothed up uh, as well. And you know, people in the hot tub wearing vampire masks, and just a bunch of great people watching. But there was this um, younger one, twenties, thirties—I don't know—kind of gothed out, um, but just sitting alone playing with her tarot cards. <laughs> it was oh. just sort of like, this is so great because it's like it was 
truly like the, the just do your own thing and don't care what anybody else thinks. Like there she wasn't there to dance or party, just playing with her tarot cards quietly on the roof by herself. Oh my gosh. The great Tom Petty lyric. She yeah. wasn't there to dance or party. But with tarot cards. With the tarot cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies for the late so. Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. So some good, joyful Halloween fun for me. Well, uh, there you go, folks. That's the Life Avengers, which kind of always used to be other center within Force Center, uh, but now it's mm-hmm. expanded into these wonderful topics that have uh, uh, been a fun journey for, for me, hopefully uh, for all of you listening. Uh, we appreciate your kind response. This is some of the deeper episodes and the fun episodes and the debates about candy corn that we might start on live streams. But Joseph, we got a fun <laughs> topic today. You pitched it. You've been, uh, I'll just say it publicly, you've been killing it with the topics and so much so mm-hmm. that Jen and I are going to help you a little <laughs> break with some of the topics. Um, but this is about our first jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I made a, a long list of, of topics like early on on a plane. I was inspired and like, yeah, we're going to do this. And uh, we're getting towards the end of that list. <laughs> <laughs> and I find myself just like looking around the room and being like, stucco. Have we talked about stucco? Um <laughs> But I think we do keep uh, finding topics that are uh, hopefully relevant uh, to us, obviously, but then also relevant to other people's experiences. And to me, that's that's the most exciting episode when it's something that we we truly feel strongly about, passionately about, can share something with each other that 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 we don't know, but is also kind of universal. And that's where my mind went to first jobs, because a couple of the topics that we've been discussing, uh, a lot of topics have gone to our childhoods. And within that, there's just we've all just kind of had drive-by mentions of first jobs and Mm -hmm. it it it, uh, surprised me because i was just like i gotta ask uh, jennifer what her first job was like you could ask her on air (laughs) that's a topic (laughs) (laughs) so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna talk about our our first stumbles into trying to make money Mm -hmm. uh i I think the other thing is we've been talking a little bit uh, about uh the the difference between getting a job that is a job to make money versus jobs that become careers and things that overlap and what it is to, to uh, kind of work from home in the gig economy. So some of that will come into it as well, but for now we're going to go back into the past. Uh, Jennifer, I want to start with you in, in the very beginnings of your relationship with money. When you were a kid, did you get an allowance and, and did your parents use that or something else to try to teach you about money? No, my parents never gave me an allowance. Uh, I was always jealous of kids who got an allowance. I was like, well, that sounds like a great deal. Do some chores and get some money. I just did the chores. I did not get money. Um, uh, my mom, my parents really never taught me about money, except I they just wouldn't buy me anything. So <laughs> we would go to the store and I'm, that's why I love stickers so much is because I could get my mom, if we would go to the stationery store, like she would buy me some stickers. Right. Oh. But like, yeah. But if we would go to Jemco or Buffums or whatever the place was. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm a like- West Coast kid. I know Jemco. What is Buffums? Buffums, I believe, was owned by May Company. Do you remember okay. May Company? Yeah. Which yeah, then turned really into it. Robinson's May. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and JCPenney. Like, it's kind of like a department store like that. And they would sometimes have clothes, which, you know, but at that time, guest clothing, esprit mm-hmm. clothing was very in style. And so, 
LA gear. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, my mom was very careful about when she would buy me things, but she would drag me to the store all the time. So it was like constantly getting tempted uh, Mm. by all these things that we couldn't buy. (laughs) And there was never like a thing of, if you work really hard, you could, you know, I'll get you this. Or there was just never, it was just like never a possibility. So (laughs) I say going to the store with her. um, And I think it would have been helpful to learn about the value of money. But my my mom grew up in extreme poverty. So Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that had something to do with it. Do you think that any of your love of crafting came from a, a mindset of make do with what you have? Oh, 100%. 100%. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Like when I was a teenager and I realized that I was not going to fit in with this John Hughes kind of movie of, you know, the cool kids, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that was that was really a thing. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it just became very apparent to me that I could not fit that. So I had to get creative. And so I was like, F that I'm going to go grunge. (laughs) And so I would, you know, go to, I would shop at thrift stores and, or I would cut up things. And I, that's how I learned to sew because I just was like, it was, I don't know about desperation, but just a desire to a be creative and also like create my own style because Mm. I couldn't fit with the trends. So Mm. yeah, Mm. that, that that I I do credit. That was, that was helpful. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, was it the Breakfast Club in particular? I mean, like, the Breakfast Club is almost like a, a social science test mm-hmm. of like, fill out this form, which are you? And if you don't fit in there, wow, you're weird. Yeah. Like all of those, all of those John Hughes movies were, I could not watch them as a kid because they were so triggering. They were like documentaries of mm-hmm. my experience. And I just was like, I do not like seeing this. And even though oftentimes the bullies would get their comeuppance, right? Like it yeah. still was just too upsetting because it was too close to my, my reality. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I welcomed no. grunge wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> in Nirvana, which totally challenged that and was like yeah. the opposite. It really was. I think. Um, I think the heavy metal, in particular, which I feel like grunge mm. was was responding to. I think it had become so obviously commercial. I yes. joked recently about the like. I don't think, hey guys, you're all 35 years old and on tour. I don't think your mom's holding you back anymore. <laughs> like, right. The fact that it felt so fabricated, uh, some of the bands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think added more, uh, you know, great authenticity to Nirvana and grunge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. So uh, um, you talked a lot about your mom's relationship with money and why she had it what was it like with your dad and it was it was it different once they weren't together um yeah it was definitely different well my dad is just always into the latest things like wanting to have the latest gadgets and he's a very techie guy and so yeah so that was his own thing and he uh so yeah when they got divorced he uh i didn't see him as often so (laughs) so money was very tight money was very tight yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm. Did did he do the the any of the guilty parent thing of like buy you something when he did see no. you? No, no. <laughs> God, I know. I would hear about that. I'd be like, what? I'm What's sorry. that? 
Welcome to Joseph Opens Jennifer's Childhood Wounds. Sorry. Exactly. I love my dad. You know, I I love him. I have a great relationship with him. But you also have to recognize your parents' faults. And at some point, you can either choose to like resent them and be angry at them, or you can just be like, well, this this is who they are. And I know why they are the way that they are, right? Mm -hmm. Their past traumas and things like that. And I just will love him for who he is. And, you know, he loves me the best that he can. So, but he, you know, I will say this. He did fight for uh, getting me Cabbage Patch dolls. He okay. he wrestled, <laughs> like like practically wrestled someone to yeah. get me Cabbage Patch dolls. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in my mind, you know, he was a news reporter. So in my mind, he did that while doing a live shot covering <laughs> the over Cabbage Patch Kids. Like, yeah, I'm getting one now. That's, yeah. uh, let me show you how this works, how parents have to fight. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Amazing. And were those for like birthdays, holidays? Were those special events? Yeah, those were special events. Yes, okay. exactly. Like my Christmases were great. There's a lot of pictures of me being like delightfully opening, you know, Nintendo or the Cabbage Patch dolls or whatever it was. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they were very kind. With okay. That. <laughs> That's great. That is great. Uh, Ken, how about you? Did you have an allowance? Were you given any any guidance on the way to think about money? Yeah, I was. I did have an allowance. Um, yeah, some of the my parents' views on money have plagued me, and it was my late uncle who pointed that out when I was became friends with them when I moved to LA. He's like, "Well, let me tell you about your parents and their relationship with money." I learned a lot. Um, yeah, here's yeah. So uh, I, I can't remember when it started. And look, I, I want to acknowledge uh, I've said uh, I've been tough on my folks, I think, in some of these deeper conversations. A little bit later, I have some great praise for my mother. Uh, I just want everyone to know. I love you. <laughs> um, After the break, <laughs> praise for mom. <laughs> uh, we were a very big chore house. I get it. Who wasn't? I don't think you understand what I say when I say chore house and my mother. Uh, it was like a job. Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I was up, cartoons were done, and I was dusting. And my sister had her chores, I had my chores. And and my mom is is a very, she would say, self-described clean freak, but whatever you want to say. Her and my uncle. My uncle was, is, is, was, is, still, he lives in Vegas now, is notorious. If you have a glass that's like, of soda that's like half empty and you're just kind of hanging out at at a party, at a family party, he'll come and pick it up. (laughs) <laughs> and you'd be like, hey, Jim, Jim, I'm not done with that. Oh, okay, well, look, done. Like, it, So he and my mom have that gene. So um, I, I got 50 cents a week, uh, which was the style at the time, back in the mid 80s. And then all my other friends were getting about a dollar to $5. And it's weird that I spent so much time being kind of on the conservative anti-union Reagan side as a kid, because I took it to my parents. I said, this is an outrage. Uh, <laughs> you I'm, struck i struck <laughs> I, I you know what i'm i kind of did i kind of did i didn't like i wasn't a you know monstrous kid where I was, i'm not doing the dusting but i was like i'm getting 50 cents terry and john are getting 75 mm. a dollar like I, I had it i had it and so i got a raise to 75 cents and i think eventually got pushed to a dollar inflation um it was big because comic books were like 50 and then they jumped up to 75 cents. I was just like, mom, mm-hmm. I can't even get a comic book with my earnings. Um, and uh, so I, I had an understanding, you know, you work and, and get paid and you should get paid what what uh, what what the market is, I guess. And uh, uh, so I had it. Um, I wasn't great at saving it. I love to spend it. That that That's a problem. Uh, and also, if you're wondering why, sometimes I 
have a career where I work for myself or with close people I can trust and don't like to take um, orders from anyone, mm. uh, it's it's the chore life that I had. Mm. It, it was beyond strict. It was it mm. was it was like my dusting would then get in, in, inspected, and if it mm. wasn't, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to redo it. Like it was that. <laughs> That was my Saturday mornings as a kid. Um, but yeah, so relationship to job and money started early. Yeah, no, there's there uh, some differences, but definitely some some overlaps. And I think mm. one of the greatest discoveries uh, of our podcast is that it is secretly controlling mom center, <laughs> uh, which we all seem to share. Uh, and I will say some nice things about my parents, too, while also uh, criticizing some choices. Um I think they had really different, my parents had really different relationships with money because of their uh, family of origins. Um, my my uh, mom's uh, father had a, like a good steady job and I think she had, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't rolling in money, but she lived in a small town and she had decent money. Uh, my dad was literally, uh, actually physically from the other side of the tracks. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and his parents, uh, I'm, I'm learning more, uh, had, um, had, were, were in Minneapolis, like, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the twenties and the thirties and had some really rough life experiences. Like, I think mm-hmm. really, really, really rough that had made them extremely like, uh, a dog eat dog, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and so my, my dad kind of had a, you always got to worry about where the next dollar is coming from and where it's going. Cause it could run out any second and really really had like a, a a reverence and a fear of of money of getting it and losing it instilled in him mm. um but my mom had been like and they got i, I think i mentioned this before they got married when they were 18 um mm-hmm. so my dad had been hustling since he was like 15 to make money any way he could mm. and m- my mom had gone right from her her parents taking care of things to pretty much my dad and like she had a job for a while she was a nurse for a while um in that but a lot of life has been like i, I know where money comes from <laughs> you you ask the person in your house who has it and they give it to yeah, you they give it to you. <laughs> uh so i think there was probably some tension there mm-hmm. uh but my mom was also uh like yours uh, ken a, a clean freak of mm-hmm. like i i really thought i dusted and how can you perceive dust that i can't see somehow you can <laughs> how is yeah. that even possible do you have x-ray vision kind of thing um but I think my I, I think my mom really liked having being in charge of the allowance because she would negotiate uh, with my dad mm-hmm. and and raise it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I started getting it about ten years old because um, I had started buying the Teen Titans comic books. Um, it, I think I'd just see them at grocery stores and I'd be like, I really want to get each one as it comes out every month, not just randomly. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that then turned into like. Well, if you really want enough money to buy comic books, here are all the chores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it it was a complex negotiation for <laughs> years. <laughs> and I think eventually my mom kind of liked it and raised our allowance quite a bit because it kept us from going out and getting a job and kept us around home more. Mm. Um, <laughs> hey, I'd still be good with that, aren't I? Yeah, but I did. But I did learn. Uh, I managed to save up. Uh, for, for some stuff and I did like mm-hmm. literally obsessively create a, a budget in a notebook for comic books and would wow. have to decide like mm-hmm. uh, I do want to do I keep collecting Captain America but there's that new Batman comic book and I got to choose because I got the math right here and this is what I make and this is what I can afford and mm-hmm. uh, 
I must have ranted about it so much. I got an email a few years back from somebody that I was in fourth grade with going, remember when you just wouldn't stop talking about your comic book budget? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's how, how my comic book uh, yeah. economy started. <laughs> it is based around comics and trading cards. A lot of it. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and the inflation was obvious from a kid's level because, mm-hmm. yeah, they jumped up massively. I, I, when I started collecting, they were 60 cents. And when I stopped, they were about a dollar, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in a relatively short time. So, um, Jennifer, when was the what was the first time you got money from a job or a task? Um, I don't know. Maybe not your first job, but but did you do anything like lawn mowing or babysitting, kind of a, a one off kind of thing? I don't remember ever babysitting. I was never particularly fond of babies or, or, little, <laughs> ki- <laughs> or little kids because uh, I I kind of was like that for my sister. So I, I was, uh, like, yeah, so I did not want to do that in my spare time. Uh, but I think my, my first job was when I was 12. Um, uh, our local, we had a kid's hair salon and the woman, the haircutter, she was like, oh, we would love to have you come every Saturday. You could be like our receptionist. Cause at, you know, at that point they were just kind of do it, doing it themselves. Mm. And that can be hard when you're cutting hair and trying to answer the phones and sweep up. So what I would do is every Saturday I would answer phones. I would make you know, do the scheduling, welcome people, uh, sweep the hair, clean the combs, uh, restock any like shampoos and things like that. And, uh, and I did that for a few months and they paid me cash. So yeah, it was a little, I think a little under the table, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And we really liked our hairstylist. She'd been my hairstylist since she was the first person to ever cut my hair. So it just felt like it was a fun little job for a few hours every Saturday. Yeah. So around what age was this? About 12, I think. Okay, nice. Nice. And did it, did it give you a feeling of, uh, like I can, I can go my own way. I can make money. I can make things happen. I don't know about uh, make my own, but it just made me feel more adult and mature. And I felt very, you know, special that I could do that. I had responsibilities. I liked that, but Mm. the money, I don't even remember what I used the money on because it wasn't very much. Mm. Okay. It's probably like one comic book. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't even know what I buy. A mountain of stickers. Uh, how about you, Ken? Do you uh, did you have any sort of like one off kind of uh, task? I, I, I no, I didn't. Uh, and, and yeah, babysitting, not in my cards. Um, I did. I was. Uh, I was never a paper boy, but I, for whatever reason, I was a substitute paper boy a lot. There's a lot of times, where, like friends. I had friends with paper routes, and. Uh, um, I remember my mom would be like, Hey, Nathan's out of town or Corey's out of town and we can do this. And so I was always, I did this for like two friends re- regularly and I hated it, mm. hated it. And I, I, you know, it's, it's at that, like a friend put a call for aid and, and uh, Gondor, Gondor will answer like, okay, I'll, I'll do this. But my mom would have, would help me We'd drive around in, in the Subaru and, you, you know, you have to get up at like 4 a.m. You have to fold all mm. the papers. Yeah. And your hands get all covered in printer ink. And I, I just I hated it. And then one one time I threw the, you know, uh, we're, we're driving around in a car. So I'm not even on a bike. And I throw the paper and I hit a pan of oil was in the driveway. And threw <gasps> and just, like, the newspaper went right in. The guy came out. 
was kind of upset. We're like, Where, where's Corey? That kind of thing. Corey never does this. Like, well, oh, no. I had to go buy, I had to take some of the money I was earning, go buy a newspaper, hand deliver it back to him. And like, I just, so none of that stuff. It wasn't until like 16, uh, I got like a, a little bit first job. We'll talk more into that. So other than that, it was the money earned was at, at my house through the allowance. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and was the, was the oil incident, the end of helping Corey? <laughs> it was for me. And I think, I think they got a little pushback, you know, I'm sure the next time, you know, the next week when Corey was back or uh, there was like, who was that idiot kid you had substituting? It, it was <laughs> one of those things. Um, and I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't get asked back. I got cut from the team. Um, um, but, yeah. but you were happy to be cut from that team. Right? Uh, it was God awful. 4 a.m. You're like, I'm sure there's kids out there or listeners uh, with paper routes, you know, stack of unfolded papers show up at your door and you have to fold them all the rubber band. Oh my God. No. Yeah. Uh, What, what an, what an ancient way to convey information. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Right. Yep. Yep. And nobody talked to each other because their heads were just buried in those newspapers. Yes. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I I I th- I don't think I ever even tried the the paper folding. Yeah, because they they the uh, delivering, getting up early, and the, the yeah, no. Uh, and I don't think my parents would have wanted me just sort of like riding around in the dark <laughs> on my bike. Yeah, probably not. Um, uh, the first thing I remember is so my dad worked uh, different jobs, uh, uh, but all for uh, printing companies. Mm. Um, and uh, he, he eventually became a salesperson. Um, and I, I saw that that was really hard on him. He only told me recently, like, because I was asking him about it. I was like, so why did, why did you make that, that shift from just kind of, you know, working the machines, working the desk in print shops to, to uh, being a salesperson? He's like, well, when we moved back to Minneapolis, uh, I needed a job. And I went to the local uh, print shop and they said, hey, have you ever been a salesperson? And he's like, eh, I just lied to him and said I had because I needed the job. <laughs> it gave me even more appreciation mm. for the amount of of hustle and and anything to to make money uh, mm. that that he mm. had, which was really great. Um, yeah. and still has. Um, but uh, as a part of that, uh, at one point the uh the job he was working at, I was probably like twelve, and I had my allowance, and I was, and then I had the taste of like, oh, but then you know I can get things I want that make mm. me happy <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, books and action figures and comic books. Um, and something went wrong in a print job and it was something like these seven sheets are supposed to be uh, in, in the correct order and they're not. Mm. And he was like, I don't know how he negotiated it. But it was like, can I bring these boxes and boxes home to my children? Cause, cause those little bleepers will do anything to get money for their doctor who novelizations <laughs> right now. Um, and it was just, yeah, sit here and put all these things in, in order. And it, it should have been boring and mind numbing, but it felt so powerful. Mm. (laughs) Be like every sheet I put in order is, you know, another cent toward the books and comics and stuff that will make me feel alive. (laughs) Um, and sometimes I like pine for that. And I know there are like, you know, sites that you can, the, whatever the sort of task things, mm-hmm. but like, I wish that there was some endless, uh, home collating job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one could sign up for. Maybe there mm. is, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure the novelty would wear off, but it, it would, it's a nice memory of here is simple, straightforward, not 
too stressful work and mm-hmm. a reward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. All right. We're looking for collating work, everybody. Welcome to collating. <laughs> um, so that, l- let's then talk about your actual first true job, fill out paperwork or maybe get paid cash under the table, but the yeah. show up for a regular schedule, get paid in cash or a paycheck. Uh, Ken, what was your first actual job job? I mean, I got to do a technicality uh, answer here. So for about three days, I delivered office supplies for an independent office store in uh, Grover Beach, California. I lived in a townhome complex at the time. And one of the guys, uh, like retiree kind of guy, this is his job. And uh, he went out with like a back injury. So once again, substitute Ken got the call. (laughs) And this is around 15 and a half, 16 range. You know, you're getting the work permit and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was getting that time allowance money was going to run out and you're a teenager now and your high school, you got to get some, got to get a job. And I, I didn't really know what to do. And anyways, my mom negotiated the deal. Um, and so it was great. And, I, and anyone who knows me uh, off mic, now, I have an obsession with office supplies. I'm one of those folks. Like I'll sometimes get bored and just go into Staples and just see what I can find. Like I just <laughs> love office supplies. And this was an independent, remember those mom and pop uh, office supply store. And uh, for three days, she she would um, uh, come pick me up. And uh, this little like Mazda pickup uh, with a camper shell kind of thing on the back. Go to the store. I pick up all the supplies. And she would, we'd just drive around town. She would sit, uh, the, the owner, I forget her name, but she was the owner um, of the company. She would sit in the, in the driver's seat smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and I would get the dolly out and I would take, you know, reams of paper and pens. And we'd go around to all the supply, uh, the, the, the supply drops. And it was kind of scary. You know, I'm a shy kid, as you know, and like you have to, I had to like enter codes and go up elevators and go into buildings and be like, hi, I'm here to, <laughs> and it was kind of, a, you know, intimidating just being launched into office culture. Um, so that was mm. the first job. And then after three days, his back was good. And, and uh, I lost, I lost my job. Oh. And I assume this is, this is cash. Yeah. 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 Um, I would uh, maybe cash on the table, uh, not under the table, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was, uh, it was probably something like that, but that was, um, that was the first job. There, then there was a bigger job to discuss after that, but I'll, I'll pitch it back to y'all. Then. Uh, sure. Yeah. Jennifer, what was your first, uh, get a paycheck job? I worked at a photography store when I was 15. I was recommended by my, uh, photography teacher. And basically what I would do is I would make prints from slides. So people would bring in, you know, their old, their old slides from the seventies or whatever. And then we would photograph them so that they would have like a physical print, um, from their slides. And then after that, I would, I would stock, I would dust, you know, when the, um, when the prints would come off of the printing machine, I would put them in the envelope and then, you know, organize, organize them by, um, alphabetical order. So when people would come pick up their prints, they were ready. And I think I did that for a for a while. Uh, yeah. Did you go out and get that job yourself? Or was it like it's time to get a job, and and this is the one you found, or or did, did somebody get injured? How did you get the job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was in photography class, and uh, I my photo teacher was really was really kind, and he liked my work, and he's like, you know. I know these guys that run this local photography store and they, they need some extra help. And there was another, there was like a junior or a senior who was also working there and he was a really good photographer. So I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. So he was like, if you want to work there to earn some extra cash, you should, you should, uh, I can recommend you. And that was how it happened. Um, 
Yeah, I stayed on for a while. And then and then I think they kind of felt bad after a while. And they're like, you know, we're really not that busy. And people, <laughs> less people started bringing in slides. And I was kind of over it because it was true. Like, I would just be kind of standing there. Nobody would walk in for hours, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, I was finally like mutual decision. Like, all right, I think I think this has run its course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, so you weren't super bummed out about it. No, I I think I kind of like let them know that I was kind of over it. And I don't remember if I quit or if it was just kind of like, yeah, I think, I think this is done. <laughs> were you at, were you eyeing the jump to another job or was this that you were at an age where like, oh, that's what a job is. Good. Yeah, Good to know. Don't want to have one right now. Right, right. No, I I was conscious of that. Like, oh, everyone had cars and fancy cars. And I knew I wasn't going to really probably be able to get a car. But I thought, oh, maybe I could save up for one with my minimum wage job. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's that's part of like, I realized very quickly, I was like, oh, my paycheck's are nothing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Ha, ha, this is just not realistic. And so mm-hmm. I, I just accepted that I would not get a car and you know, I wanted to have my Saturdays back. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this was not too demanding. It was Saturdays, but I guess well, yeah. when you're a kid taking your Saturday, your true fun day is. Yeah. Yeah. I did it after school a for a little while, but like, it, yeah, it was really not worth it. Was it in a mall or a strip mall or was it just standalone? It was a strip mall. It was a strip mall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't even get the mall culture. No, I I would get that later. Um, But yeah, it was just a little strip mall. And it was like a local, a local shop by all these other local shops. So we would sometimes, I would see people that I knew, but not very often. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, my first job was a real like summer crash course. Like I had done a couple other things. I did like some little uh, like uh, after school when I was in high school, like go, go teach the fourth graders something. I can't remember what I taught them, uh, but I got to check for that. Um, but the first like job, job, my brother had got a job at a, at a local dairy queen um, because at, his girlfriend wanted to go to prom. So it was like the, I'll make money for prom. And then they both decided prom is stupid. And he bought a VCR. So it was great. <laughs> um, it did a huge moment in my life. <laughs> my brother's choice to get a VCR. Uh, from working at Dairy Queen. Um, so it, it was really like, I was looking forward to like, okay, what is my first job going to be? What's it going to be like? And um, a bank that has recently been gobbled up by another larger bank, uh, mm-hmm. but existed, it had, had a big footprint in the Twin Cities. Uh, it was TCF, Twin City Federal. And they had a sort of a partnership um, with uh, my high school. Um, the high school was in a, a, a neighborhood that had ups and downs. So I think they were kind of trying to like, in retrospect, it's just something I think for the for the bank to be like, look, we're not monsters. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're helping the youth at Henry High. Um, but one of the things that they did was offer uh, kids uh, jobs uh, in between uh, junior and senior year and then between senior year and college. Mm. Um, and I can't remember if that it just got assigned. I certainly didn't pick it. But it was uh, this was a uh, I think like 10 to 4 it felt long maybe it was eight hours i don't know but it was every day in the summer so it was like pretty much giving up the the summer uh but i worked in the item processing department uh at twin city federal which was in the basement of the parking garage which was nerve-wracking because the poles kind of moved (laughs) uh and the uh it was my you know we talked about the the uh 
that Sesame Street, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? And it was like, you know, a firefighter, a lawyer, an astronaut. <laughs> My first job is I'm an item processor, whatever the bleep that means. Uh, and it turns out that item processing was, is processing, processing physically all the checks that bounced mm. um, and taking them from machine to machine and recording why they bounced <laughs> and <laughs> what's being done about it and like uh, uh, physically stamping them, I think, mm. uh, for the reason. Um, yeah. And almost all of them were uh, NSF, which was, you know, insufficient funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And the one that I remember the most was some poor desperate person had physically written on the check 25 cents only mm. 25 cents oh. and it mm. had still bounced so mm. it wasn't like you know a real uplifting <laughs> job and oh. it wasn't like it was a bunch of teens it was me and a bunch of very different adults who were like who's this weird little psycho kid mm. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's the quiet gangly kid why is he here okay um so it, it was a great uh a great crash course in the absolute real world mm-hmm. yeah because it wasn't like a baby step it was this is a day job yeah wow <laughs> take yeah. it take it and like it uh so so ken what was your first uh true yeah. day job yeah sorry for sneaking in the two answers i just this morning it was like that's oh, fine yeah not the office job was also the first time i like hurt my back i learned a lot on it um no so uh i had i had trouble finding work which was uh, i guess a theme that pops up in my life every now and then. I didn't realize that. Uh, and finally, my mother had gone on to a second career and put a pin in that. I'll talk about that more in the second half of uh, of being like a recreational and leisure like director at retirement homes and convalescent homes. And so she was working at a convalescent uh, home uh, and I was struggling to find work, couldn't find it. Tried, you know, I tried applying at the baseball card shop, trying, couldn't do it. Um, I had a horrible interview trying to get a job at a pizza parlor and all this stuff. And so she was able to help me get a job in the kitchen, um, working like Friday, uh, half shift and then Saturday, Sunday, full shift, no weekends during the last two years of my high school. Uh, and I was a dishwasher in the kitchen and mm. it was a tech, my technical position, I think was dietary aid. So, um, <laughs> during lunch and dinner rushes, my job was to set the drinks. So every, um, uh, you know, it was a full on, it wasn't like assisted, Livid, it was, or no, it wasn't like non assisted livid, it was like full on convalescent hospital. And it had one of that time when the only Alzheimer wings in um, California. So, yeah, there were Mm. harsh, learned some things about aging real young, real fast. Um, But yeah, I would, uh, there was also some just wonderful people living there and you get to chat with them. But yeah, my job was to like make sure they had the right drinks, uh, insure uh, cranberry juice. Like, I, and you know, there's like 200 people. So you have these giant trays with these. Giant, giant carts with these trays on it and you had to like so i had to set the drinks silverware uh, salt packets all the stuff and then after dinner uh was when i would wash the dishes and it was uh, uh me you know at a, at a at a you know industrial strength dishwasher with one of those high powered fire hoses that you're cleaning <laughs> the plates off mm. and the giant sink uh with uh, a, a a disposal and i found some stuff man you're talking there's um, things that nap- napkins full of things that shouldn't have been there. Uh, squished frog one time. I, I, yeah, I, what? I, I still to this day don't know how a frog got into the dinner table. Um, yeah, and I had that for uh, about three to four years. Wow, that's a long time. Year, all through high school into 
uh, uh, my early college days. So mm. yeah. Um, yeah. Friday nights and Saturday, most Friday nights and then Saturday and Sunday, like one to 9 PM. That was my day. That was, the job. That was it. And I had, and I had, I grew my first ponytail. So I had, had that all <laughs> hair netted back. I had a large collection of hair nets. Um, it was interesting. Wow. So, uh, this was high school. Yeah. High school into early college. Yeah. Like and so that, uh, you said Friday night, Saturday mm-hmm. and Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. was this an effort to teach you about responsibility or to make sure that you never spoke uh, to another kid or had any fun whatsoever? <laughs> I think there could have been some of that, um, but certainly wasn't <laughs> planned. And, you know, I don't know. I could have, I think just it was, that was the opening and I held down those weekends part-time and other people would come and go and employees would come and go. We had some bad employees, but some good ones. Um, you know, a lot of the cooks, the chefs, and the lead aid, all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Looking back, I don't know why I didn't work on a Tuesday, but I, the shift <laughs> might not have been open. And then I, this, but this is also a little bit of my problem. I, I get the job and I just kind of hunker down like a turtle and get in my shell. And like, this is what I got. I don't look to improve it or, you know, what are the other options? Uh, I just get stuck in a routine and it was fine. It was a good routine, making $5 an hour cleaning dishes, you know? <sighs> Yeah. Did you make any, did you make any friends? Did you, like, I understand the, just like the, the buckle down and get it done work mentality, but were there parts of it that you looked forward to or that were social or were you just like in uh, a little dishwashing bubble alone? No, there was, it was social. There was a co you'd work with, you know, generally there was the, the, the cook and they kind of were the captain of the floor, so to speak. And then there was like the number one aide that did all the desserts and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, and then me. And then someone else would show up. There was like a, you know, I'm really getting into the weeds of the shift. There was like a five o'clock person. That's what I was on Friday. And then someone else would show up Saturday and Sunday. And that person would be the one that would help me with the dishes, help put stuff away. And we would close down the kitchen. Mm. Um, so we were the last two there. Um, and stock things, make sure the fridge was stocked for the next day for when they get there at 6am for the breakfast, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, there was a social aspect and there was, there was two ladies that worked. One was from Minnesota. Uh, she was, I remember that because she was a big Viking, she was a big football fan, but a big Minnesota Viking fan. And we'd have a radio Mm. blaring on Sundays. That's how I got most of my football during that era. Um, and then the other one, uh, Beverly, I'd never get Beverly. Looking back, she was probably 29. She seemed like 70 and just hated the world. And she had a temper. But she was cool. She liked me. But if you messed up, she'd kind of yell and then be like, oh, just don't do that again. Um, And and then she kind of would, they would kind of teach me how to like, you should cut these potatoes. You should learn this. And then another guy came along, an older guy named Walter, remember, again, older. He was probably 42. Uh, And he was cool because he had a patent on an ash pan for a fireplace. He created mm. and had, and I just couldn't believe that you, you know, had that kind of brush with fame and yet you're cooking here with me. Um, and he was great. So yes, long story short. Yeah. I actually found joy in it, you know, mm. and it was so much part of my existence and they all were rooting for me. They, they knew what I wanted to accomplish in life, which at the time was probably more screenwriter than anything. Um, and so they, 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 they rooted for me and it was, it was a good, uh, a tough environment at times, but good one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really powerful of kind of what you learn by who you're around. That's all positive. And, and, mm-hmm. and looking back at my check job, I don't know if I learned a lot of positives <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because, 
you know, some of some of the people there were really ch- charming, but I, I, you know, I was quiet, and I think they weren't sure what to make of me. And and mm-hmm. thinking about it now, maybe there was some kind of resentment of like the maybe that's a job that one of their friends who really need it could have, but right, but right. the bank is trying to pat itself on the back by giving it to some kid who maybe doesn't need it. So mm. maybe there was that was a little bit of the coldness. But like I remember how much the focus of their day was uh, where they were going to have lunch. Mm. which great, understandable, but it, it was kind of a picture of like, this is our one joy right. <laughs> of where we're going to have God, lunch. That um, really set in later on at the other jobs where it was like the, every day was where we eaten. Yeah. Yep. 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 And my, I remember the boss, uh, the boss's name was, was Joe. And, and at the time uh, I, I went by Joe far more often and, and he thought that was real, real funny. So he'd come in and he'd be like, hi, Joe. <laughs> and think it was really funny because that was his name too. Uh-huh. Um, and to be perfectly honest, uh, the majority of, of people working there um, were uh, women and people of color. And he was, you know, young white guy and he would waltz through and kind of check on things make sure kind of uh, a, a little little steve Carell without the charm oh, <laughs> just kind of make sure that everything right and everything is correct and then he'd go off to meetings every day he's like well time for some meetings <laughs> and i uh, and i i didn't speak much but like early on i was like another meeting huh <laughs> and he was he was like yeah you got a problem with that <laughs> oh. But in retrospect, it was, you know, you, you, you get fed information a lot, you know, us by, by sitcoms. Right. And mm-hmm. I'd been used to the cartoon boss who doesn't actually work, right, but right, makes right. more money while all the other people actually work. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of thought that was a cartoon, you know, <laughs> like the, the way my parents had been like, you know, when Elmer Fudd <laughs> shoots Daffy Duck and his duck, you know, his, his, his beak spins around that's not real mm. i kind of thought that about bosses mm. and i remember being shocked that like oh that's real yeah yeah <laughs> bosses can just be like i make more money than you but i'm mostly just eating salad with other guys like me <laughs> mm-hmm. bye do the real work yeah. and mr like, spacely and george jetson yep so I learned a lot, good and bad. Um, That's cool. And yeah, not all bosses, not all bosses, but it was a real, this is the, this is the stereotype in action. Mm. Um, Jennifer, you talked a little bit about your motivation. You, you started uh, with the, I'm going to buy a car. Yeah. Uh, was there another motivation or something that you did end up spending the, uh, the meager amount of money on? I don't even remember. I think it probably would have been at that time, about 15, maybe like vinyl records, maybe mm-hmm. like buying a band t-shirt at the local record shop or when we would go to shows. I mean, that's the only thing. Well, yeah, buying music, right? Like mm-hmm. ca- cassette tapes, <laughs> mm. <laughs> things like that. Or, or like if I would have money, spending money, like when I would go with my friends, like if we would go to Circle K or something, like I could get, mm. I could get something there. Like it was pretty, it was pretty measly. And like I, I just became so disillusioned, like I said, about the idea of being able to save up for a car. I was like, well, might as well spend it rather than saving it. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. you know that was. <laughs> Yeah, God. Someone should have helped me with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. That's really, really hard. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Ken? Did you have a specific financial goal or a place the money ended up? 
car was part of it. And like you, Jen, I realized quickly, well, this is not going to, you know, what do I do with this? <laughs> How do I get a car at this rate? Um, and then my, my, my Ford Fairmont, my 81 Ford Fairmont mm. entered my life when my mom, um, had been cleaning uh, an, an older woman's uh, house, which is one of her part-time jobs she had, and and was basically um, I, uh, almost the lady le- later on accused my mom of like strong holding her into uh, into selling the car to me. <laughs> I don't know if there's like, I don't know the whole details, um, but uh, I remember the day I drove off. She was kind of yelling at my mom in the background <laughs> while I drove off. But I got the forfeit. But my parents bought it, and then I had to pay them back. For a thousand dollars cash, I'll never forget. Thousand dollars, and I drove off that Ford Fairmont uh, with great pride. So it was a little bit of that, and then just kind of like yeah, the general things, and and I too, and, and maybe this is a lot of folks, and maybe our generation, but it's like I, I just wish I'd been taught like I don't take five dollars from that check and put it into a savings account every time. Do something, <laughs> do something. That was a little bit of what my parents imprinted on me is. Uh, do you have money? You should act panicked that you might lose it all and then therefore spend it all. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is, that is a hard, uh, a hard decision. And I think I had kind of wrestled with that between, uh, you know, I need this amount of money for, uh, the comic books that come up monthly, but there's that big Batman hardcover coming. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to save up for that. Uh, but for me, by, by this time, um, I was in my high school band and watching uh, the other kids' parents buy them new guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my grandma had given me money for new cymbals, but my drums at that time were this uh, hand-me-down set that my dad had found, and I'm extremely grateful for it, but they were they were kind of dinky, and they didn't, some of, some of the, the heads were really bad, so the snare in particular didn't sound good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, it's, I kind of forget about it sometimes cause my life went in a different direction, but so much uh, of my life was about music and drums and playing in that, that rock and roll band and, uh, wanting it to, you know, be signed out of high school yeah. uh, kind of thing. So th- that, that was my absolute mission. Every, every check I stamped insufficient funds <laughs> uh, for somebody else was, uh, closer to my drum set. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And I think, think it was like late August when the job was wrapping up. Uh, I, I had, I think it was about $500 then uh, mm. I bought my drum set, black, uh, five piece, uh, Tama rockstar set. Nice. Um, and yeah, got the just straightforward reward. And I think that was probably the, the best part of it of the, you know, nobody, I, probably my dad supported me in that. Uh, certainly he supported me in buying the drums, but in the, the life lesson mm-hmm. <laughs> of do something not fun uh, for a long time with a specific, a specific goal and, and, and get the reward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 And the first time I got to use them, we were auditioning to play uh, in a uh, talent show in a public park. And I think the song we were auditioning with was the Guns N' Roses cover of, uh, of Paul McCartney's Live and Let Die. Yes. Um, and we were, uh, we'd normally just been playing with my very, very small drums uh, in uh, basements. We had a couple gigs at school. Um, but this was in a bouncy gym with my now huge drums. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. uh, no monitors whatsoever. 
and uh, no one could hear anything but my drums. And the guitar player was so mad. It's very, very traditional. Like the guitar is supposed to be loudest, and no one could hear anything <laughs> but my new drum set. And uh, yeah, uh, I wasn't too upset. No, but, no, yeah. drummer gets to stay. That's good. Yep. 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 That was my reward. That was my reward. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, Ken's going to say nice things about his parents. Uh, But first, we have a recommendation. We do. And you know what? I I want to uh, highlight the 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 book we covered uh, last time out. The the six. What is it? The six drinks. Uh, There. A world uh, history of the world in six glasses. Uh, I have. I'm going to check this book out. Uh, We did this last week on kind of a, a lark. A lot of people on our Force Center Discord were like, oh, God, that is a great book. So join the movement to uh, learn the history of the world in six glasses by Tom Standage by downloading that as your free audiobook today. Help out the show in the process. Go to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Force Center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. On the other side, Mom, I swear it. I've got some nice, nice things to say. Stick around to other side. 
Yeah. So um, I we we've been talking about our first steps into making money, uh, how it went. <laughs> but I'm curious, uh, the first job that could have become your career, and it, uh, it maybe that is while you had the job, you're like, ooh, maybe I want to do this forever, or it could be looking back, you could have followed that path. So Jennifer, was there was there a first job for you that was like, ooh, this this might be a career? I think every job I have worked at. I have seen a future me, right? Like you see the older people that have been there for a long time, whether it was at the camera store or Disneyland that had people that had worked there for um, a long, long time. They were like in their sixties and they'd worked there since they were teenagers. Right. When I worked at CBS television city, a lot of, I mean, that really felt like it could have been a career path. Um, Mm -hmm. Becoming an assistant, maybe working my way up when I worked at E. Be, you know, there were older people there too. They would get laid off because <laughs> they mm-hmm. they earn more money, and you can't spell you can't spell uh, cheap without e, as we used to say. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, but like like literally every job, retail, you know, coffee shops. You see the managers or the general managers, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just at any place, if you stay long enough, you can you can make it into your career. And I would see, I would basically decide, I was like, how miserable are these people? Are they, are they like, is it bearable miserable? Or are they making decent enough money that they can, you know, they're okay with their job? Or are they absolutely dreading coming to work every day and taking it out mm. on us? So that was, that was an interesting mm. lesson. And my decision was to just become an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, but the, the, yeah, obviously some ups and downs with being an actor. Uh, oh, you don't get God. to just uh, sign up to acting and then have a regular income. Uh, but looking back, Jennifer, is there any of these jobs where you you say to yourself, maybe I should have pursued that and made it a career? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had I had people at CBS who were who were offering to kind of mentor me. And I was like, no, I want to be an actor. <laughs> like, <laughs> dumb, dumb. Like, why didn't I, you know, but I don't know if I would have been happy doing that. Maybe I would have been. Maybe I wouldn't have been. Maybe I would have been, you know, 20 years into that job and being like, I want to be an actor now. So, um, and same thing with E. I definitely, I had people who were offering to mentor me there. And again, I was like, I want to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> it's my chance to sing. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it is interesting. And I, and I, and I try to think, well, this is, this is where my gut has led me over and mm-hmm. over and over again. So I did it. So great. Okay. So now let's figure out the next thing. But how do you feel about the fact that you, you are gifted at various kinds of, of the broad term entertainment journalism? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, choice or fate brings you back to acting, but also also does bring you back to to a kind of entertainment journalism. Mm-hmm. I, How do you I feel about that? I don't know. I, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great answer. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't mm. know what I'm doing. And you know, it's interesting to think about like how the. Uh, how the world has changed, how we get our information has changed. Um, I have lamented, oh, I should have gone into broadcast journalism, but journalism has changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of layoffs, a lot of, of mm-hmm. really great journalists who now are fighting for attention with YouTubers and 
non-journalists. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? And that's kind of, it's exciting to see all this landscape change, but it's also terrifying. Um, and mm-hmm. see how people get their news from TikTok and TikTokers. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it, it mm-hmm. to me, it gets into also interesting um, discussions of, of, not just generational change, but also as a culture deciding what what we value mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of your you know digging your feet in and saying no, I want to go after my dreams. I want to be an actor. Um, mm-hmm. That there to me, there's power in that, and to me, that that's good. I both like really um, am grateful and honored and impressed that my dad was just like I never wanted to be this. I just did it because I, it was there and I could. And I made it happen. There's that part of me that's like, I'm so impressed and, and appreciative of that that work ethic. But then there's also that like, isn't it going to be a better society if if people can try to find things that they truly, truly love? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a real interesting tension between, you know, get a good job and lock it down, period, versus find something you love because that will be better for you and in, in every human you interact with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, Ken, uh, what was your first uh, job that could have been become a career? Was it the, the radio? Yeah, it was. And so we did that uh, whole episode on it, so I don't need to go too deep into it. Uh, but yeah, I'd left the kitchen job for the radio job. Um, wow. What had happened was I, I, I got into college and I started um, working at a, at a local UHF station. And that's where I met the morning show guys. And that's why I started interning at the station. And that's why I got the job. So I was interning while I was working uh, the kitchen job on the weekend. Um, and uh, then, the, you know, I, I made that that move. And, and talk about people at the at the kitchen job. They were sad to see me go, but they were rooting for me. And, you know, a lot of that. And I knew you'd be famous. Like, I'm, I'm on the radio station in my hometown. <laughs> um, and it was good. And and so it did feel like great. And, and uh, you know, uh, in good, good, good ways and bad ways. Uh, it, it, I think there was a little bit of, there was never, and, and, and because there was never like an arrogance. I've made it vibe. There was just like, Oh, this is, this is great. You set your eye, your eye on something and you get it. And you're 18 and 19 and you just think, you know, your career's begun <laughs> and you don't, you don't factor in how you might change, how, mm-hmm. I don't know, you wake up one morning and your boss, uh, your owner calls you and tells you you're laid off. And what's your identity outside of that? And and all those things were big lessons I was set to learn. But yeah, that was the start of it. But yeah, I think your your point is very insightful, but any job can be a career. And I don't mean to sound like they pull up your bootstraps, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of Americana guy, but there's, yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that, you know, if you, you know, and it's what you, you want. I, I mean, I had a friend, you talk about general manager stuff. I had a friend when I was at the mall, she was the manager of the Red Robin. Then she became kind of a regional and general manager. And, you know, that's what she wanted because she now mm-hmm. lives in Oregon. She lives outside Portland with three kids and, and, and a husband and and probably high up in the corporation. She didn't love it. She hated it at times. I'd let her vent and we, we were good friends because uh, I ate there five days a week at one point. Um, <laughs> But that, you know, she didn't want anything else. And I don't mean that in any kind of negative thing. This, the, Her goal, the job was to support her other goals, which was family. And, mm-hmm. and, right. things. and, and I think there's some great power in that. And, and uh, I, I, I like that a lot. And, and sometimes I feel like you are kind of, your subtext, Jen, is you're cursed by this desire to do things like. Yes. And 
you know, I just I just ran into I I, I uh, ran into a, a film producer guy uh, and was talking and kind of it was not a film producer title like um, you know classic I got money. It was someone who just started in the office, worked his way up, became that person's assistant, did this, and now they're a producer on big films. Hmm. And it was like almost a nine to five approach to it. And I just remember thinking, I don't think I could have done that. I don't think I have those skills. But I was like, well, you know, I, I, I've been analyzing 20 years ago. Why didn't I think of those things more than um, hmm. don't worry, one day I'll be out of this day job and I'll be X, Y and Z. You know that the dreamy thing, the dreamy thing is good. Um, but the goals are more important. So I don't know. I, I, I really like what you said, Jen. It's, it's, it's really a state of mind. Anything could be a career. Mm hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think for me, it's it is the um, how much damage are you taking? Because I think there are people who find a a job career mm -hmm. that is I, I I don't care about passion. I want money to funnel my yeah. true dreams, which is yeah. family or a vacation or a hobby outside. You know, I have many friends who are like I have a perfectly fine day job and then I do theater and it's a great mm -hmm. balance and it works together and it's it's great. I think what I what I wonder about is when people sort of um, it, uh, take uh, take something that is truly corrosive to their soul, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and maybe don't have that other don't have that clear eyed. This is this is okay, <laughs> yeah. and I'm and I'm using it uh, to to uh, help help me get the things I truly love, truly love. Mm -hmm. But just feel like there is no choice. This is life. Uh, you get something that eats your soul. Mm. Yes, uh, yes, it, yeah. I think I, I, I have folks who have that, and 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 in in leaving the day job, the security job for screen junkies, I've told some of the stories around that. But I, I had some friends who were just out and out. Were like, no, that's stupid. Stay, stay, stay in this steady job. Mm -hmm. mm. I was like, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, so, yeah, I'm no. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I totally get that. I, I think I was mentioned before, like the, in in one of our, you know, what, what are you going to be when you grow up episodes. Um, uh, the one of the reasons I quit Kinko's is I got sucked in, and the, mm -hmm. and it really was that like any you you can find uh, like you're saying Jennifer interest in in anything and have it become a career. I started Kinko's just because like I need a job now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I graduated college and now money um, uh, to to get my life started so I can do theater stuff and blah 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 blah. But then it was a fun challenge. And my manager, you know, really encouraged me to be like, you can, you can get better at that machine. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can be, and really, you know, started complimenting me. And I became a manager really quickly. And then the, at that time, Kinko's was making a lot of money and the assistant managers got 2% of the monthly growth. So I had the wow. motivation to be like, um, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take every job we can, you know, in, in, mm -hmm. in, there was it was fun and rewarding but then i had to look at that moment of like if i could i could lie to myself and say i'm just going to hold on to this job at kinkos for like 5 years and and build up a nest egg and sometimes look back and say maybe i should have um yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'd be in a better place but i had that sense of i am am taking the the expected path and it's going to hurt my soul mm. Yeah, which I'm still where I'm at. And, and I want to clarify, we, we've had this kind of conversation and we talk about the risks and life choices in front of us. And this is part of us getting deep. And here we are, three creatives 
we also have other skills in other areas and, you know, interpersonal skills that might translate well to manager job. And, and I saw the discussion around in our discord and some folks were like, Hey, yeah, a, a good old career job is, is still a good thing. And I, I think yeah. that's part mm-hmm. of what we're saying. And it's, uh, and I admire folks. Like I keep going back to my accountant. I mean, you got it. First of all, he's one of the most good looking men I've ever been in the room with. And I'm just like, you could have been an underwear model. He's like, yeah, but I wanted to be a tax accountant. Like, I, like <laughs> what I wanted to do. And there's some great power in that. And, and there's that. And, and, and then what you're talking about, Joseph, and there's some sadness to some of that stuff. Um, not that everyone's got to go pursue, you know, the great artistic career, but yeah, the, mm-hmm. I, I keep saying this. I, I, I wake up every day at a time that I choose. And does that translate into uh, uh, financial st- stability? No, not right now. Um, but it's better than driving to Collider angry because I was forced to be there at 859. Hmm. I mean, I mean 859. <laughs> you know, by someone yeah. who just wanted to exert their power because they could. Yeah. And yeah. there's that difference, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that you're pointing to something there too. I think it's a whole different world if you have a, a kind of traditional nine to five job where you are treated with respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You work hard, you are rewarded, you have a team. And, and I think so many people do fall into, uh, mm-hmm. you know, dramas that are not of their creation or people on power trips or like you got a great team and this one person comes in and they're just a wrecking ball, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it out of your control. That That stuff is so difficult. Um, mm. Jennifer, just uh, one other question about the, the, the want to be an actor. Uh, when, when you walked away from, from the entertainment journalism type day jobs, was, was that a part of what you were feeling of like, it will eat my soul if I stay here? Cause it will be denying myself my dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think because I, from when I, when we talked about this before, when I was a kid, that was what I was always believed I was destined for the mm-hmm. stage and screen. And that was something that I always thought when I was older, I would p- pursue. And what I remember feeling as I would um, be looking through B-roll hours and hours of B-roll for Julia Roberts on the red carpet or, mm-hmm. you know, this celebrity, mm-hmm. I'll get this soundbite. And I felt like I was watching other people create. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was on the outside looking, yep, yep. right? Right. And I was like, no, I'm a creator. (laughs) I want to be the one creating. Right. But, but that takes a certain amount of risk, a certain amount of delusion and a level of confidence (laughs) that I've only kind of figured out now, which is obvious. It's a little late. I want to say that, but it kind of is a little late. Um, And so that was why I quit was I was like, I can't, I can't stand talking about celebrities, makeups, and mm-hmm. you know what they're wearing and all this kind of vapid stuff when it was like i want to be creating the art mm-hmm. why does anybody care about julia roberts because she's a phenomenal actor right so um that was what always interested me it interested me more than than mm-hmm. comedy but now i'm like that's the beautiful thing about nowadays right is that we're all creators. And if you make a YouTube video or an Instagram reel or a TikTok, you are creating. And yes, you Mm. may be commenting on what is happening in the news or Justin Bieber's Halloween costume. But in some ways, it can kind of become its own art form. And that's Mm. what I think is so fascinating. Uh, But now there's a lot more creators (laughs) and there's a lot more competition. That's true. Yeah, no, and that's a thing. That's a big conversation, but it has definitely uh, uh, changed a lot from, you know, obviously, as we know, uh, being a podcast that talks about pop culture, that that 
that has I think that vibe that I'm just commenting has changed too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, different, but that makes that makes so much sense. Ken, I'm waiting for you to say a Game of Thrones quote, uh, but I don't know if you're going to. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I am. No. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I can't even remember the character's name, uh, but uh, maybe he says it in the book so we can talk about it. But it's <laughs> the uh, the the guy who's training to be a maester uh, and doesn't want to just record. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the- well. Yeah. Yeah, Samuel, yeah, oh, doesn't yeah. want to just record what other people are doing, wants to do great things himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we don't know if he said it in the book because George hasn't finished. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe George is typing it right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, quickly for my for myself, um, so I had uh, uh, been, uh, go, I, w- I went to college for visual art. Um, I had gotten some, uh, some amount of grant money uh, and then a lot of student loans. Um, and I was trying not to have like a, a nine to five job because I wanted to get through college and still be able to do things. And, and theater came along pretty quickly. But right when I started college, um, I really wanted to, to to do something fun and big. And it was a little bit hard because I was, uh, you know, a good artist in my high school. There are a couple other good artists. But then, you know, I started taking visual art classes and like, hey, everybody's real good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there are mm-hmm. thousands of them now. And, mm-hmm. and that was a great thing for me to be like. I am very behind on technical skills, but my uh, teacher is complimenting me on my creativity. So I got to keep working on what I'm good at and keep learning the the skills I don't know. So it was one of those kind of times that was, um, it was scary to to experience the reality. Uh, But there was a call for the uh, school newspaper. This is the University of Minnesota. So a, a big school. Uh, the Daily is the name of the at the time Daily newspaper. I don't even know if it's Daily now, uh, but they used to run op-ed pieces, and because they couldn't control the length of them necessarily, they would end up with some amount an odd shape of empty space. So they hired illustrators to just do a drawing based on the op-ed, not because they particularly thought like the art is great. It's just like this is easier mm-hmm. <laughs> than because then you could just that that day they would call you and go, we do have an illustration for you to do, come in and do it. Um, or we don't, uh, as, as work. So I, uh, applied for that and, um, didn't hear back and didn't hear back. And then it was hard for me to do. It was like, I got to call that guy. And I, I, uh, remember what episode of Dr. Who I was watching on VHS with my brother. And it's like, mm-hmm. I want to watch the next episode, but I, I got to call this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember hearing in his voice, he's like, who are you? And I'm like, Joseph Scrimshaw, I want to be an illustrator for the Daily. And I could hear in his voice, like the flip of the coin. Yeah. He's like, yeah, let me pull out your samples. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll hire you. Uh, well, and, it, and, and then my art was, you know, being seen, you know, by everybody yeah. in school, which was really, really cool. But I, it was it was an ego stroke, but also knowing the flip of the coin I heard in that man's voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. that, that is the reality that we all must remember at some, think of the most successful person you've ever met. Mm. Uh, it, particularly if they don't come from money uh, or, or, or in, in the industry, someone's had that flip of the coin tone in their voice. And that has made a big difference in whether people succeed or not. Yes. Mm. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. And at the time, I thought visual art was going to be my thing. I thought I was going to be a, a comic book artist. And then that, I became obsessed with theater. But that was definitely the like, ooh, this is fun. Uh, a lot of weird, weird, it was a weird job to just op-eds about whatever and then draw a picture for that. That's, mm. that's uh, a, mm. 
Yeah. Mm. I drew a lot of guns, which is sad, sad because it was an issue then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, mm. uh, so that was definitely a, a career uh, learning thing. Um, Ken, if you were going to uh, get a job now, and I know th- I know this is going to be a hard question because we're all always wondering where the next paycheck is going to come from. And I know uh, this might not this might not be theoretical for us all. Uh, no. <laughs> but I do want to really pin it down to um, I, I, I really agree with everything that you're saying about jobs and careers can overlap. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask this from a job perspective. Um because all three of us have lots of different interests. And it's a different question to say, if you're launching a new career, what would you try to be? But if it was a, no, I like what I'm doing now. I want to do all the creative things I do now, but I need to supplement my income with a job. Maybe it becomes a career, but that's not what you're shooting for. Mm -hmm. What would you, what would you like to do if you were just like part-time, I need more cash. What is it? Yeah, it, 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 I, I'm, yeah, all jokes aside, this is, this is, this is the reality uh, I'm probably looking at here soon. So it's like, uh, I, I try to sometimes maybe stick within, within the industry, but the same thing kind of happens. And I have to ego check myself. Like, what are we trying to get out of this? Um, I just uh, finished up, uh, you know, I've, I've said it before, I, I dance around it, but I, I just finished up working for new rock stars for the last, I don't know, eight months or so back to May. Um, and it wasn't super fulfilling. And I went into it knowing this is a supplemental job. I helped them with this and that. I write some scripts and some stuff emerged. Uh, the vision of how to talk about Star Wars and pop culture overall was uh, mine uh, was different than some of the heads and faces that lead there. Uh, so it became frustrating right away. And, and that leads me to think that maybe I need to know kind of like what you're saying, Jen. It, it, I, if I'm not, it's not, it's not about just being on camera or being in the spotlight, but if it's not me creating art for myself or with people I trust or respect, then I maybe rather look at something else entirely. If it's mm-hmm. a supplemental job, um, you know, walking dogs or delivering foods always on the table. Um, I know friends that do it and do well with that. Um, I don't know. I love going to the zoo. Is there something I can do with the zoo is something I'm looking at. Um, mm. You know, is it something like, I know, Joseph, you have a of, uh, love and a past with museums. Like, so it's like, all right, it's something like that. I know what I don't want to do. I maybe don't want to be uh, too much dealing with the public. Um, I did enough of it 17 years and yelled at every day. Um, so that's what I'm kind of looking at. And and then I don't think I'm ever going to start a second career. And this is where I did want to pay res- my respects to my mother, uh, who, by the way, is still alive and well. That sounded weird. Um, in her mid-40s, she went back to college. And mm. that's when she got her degree to become a recreation and leisure director. And that was her career. That's what she retired from after about 20 years. Um, and I remember the stories. And then, you know, my old mom, and she was, lit, I think, 41 when she did this. Um, and she had a lot of fun going back to school. And she had a lot of fun discovering who she was at that point and how it's not the job title. It's you and what you want to put into it and what you're trying to accomplish. And so it's like, uh, I'll never leave this kind of stuff. I'll never leave comedy. I'll never leave that. But it's like, is there something else that exists that we can always get lost in that? Our our job is not our identity. Can I move beyond that? And that's what I'm looking mm. at. Because right I need it. I, you know, this freedom we talk about, and we're going to continue to talk about it, but it's like, yeah, it's scary. <laughs> and I don't know what December looks like for me. Um, but I don't want to panic and make a decision that's going to make me upset. I mean, you'll both know the last few months, I've been pretty grouchy about this job I had because it mm-hmm. was frustrating and it was not, it was other people's creativity. And it's not just simply a, let me check my ego and collect the paycheck. It's like, well, and also you're saying these things to me and you're 
treat me and you're doubting me this way. Mm. I don't, I'd rather, I'm too close to the fire. I'd rather go start a new campsite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you you were caught among uh, conflicting wishes, which is I, yeah, I would kind of lump into that sort of like you know it's it's very different to have a, a again mm-hmm. a, a job where you're respected. You know it mm-hmm. it isn't about ego, it isn't about being in front. You just have you have a job where you're asked to do a thing, you do it well, and you get paid. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's great, but there's so many other dramas, and you, and you were you were caught in different wishes. G- giant drama, yeah, and, and for the most part, my experience with the uh, individuals there was was a good one. Uh, I think there's some good, there was some good folks there. Um, but yeah, 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 but but it reminded me again of, you know, the other jobs I had that I thought were oh in the industry, part of my dream, actually weren't. They were just. I learned some skills and stuff that might lead me to where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I think it's all uh, great things to think about. And I think, uh, hey, uh, very nice things about your mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and it was one of the things I look at of just like, I don't know if I'm at that time, but it's also like that could also be a part of my life, you know? All right. Maybe there's something yeah. else, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think for myself, I, I it is a privilege to be able to pursue uh, creative things. Mm-hmm. And there's some jobs that uh, wouldn't be a good match because they would, you know, I would absolutely do them if I just ap- needed to for the people in my life. I absolutely yeah, would. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a, <laughs> a very strong work ethic. I work extremely mm-hmm. hard. I'm not eating, you know, I'm not just relaxing eating bonbons. I work mm-hmm. but, uh, a lot. A lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, I think if the kind of things that sound uh, nice to me is like there's an indie bookstore on my block that I pop into and they're working. Absolutely. Uh, there's they're stocking books, mostly the younger guy, <laughs> doing the physical work. But they are doing, you know, they're doing a, a Tarantino movie in there. They're doing a Kevin Smith movie in there. Every time I go in there, they're talking about the latest horror movie or like uh, I had real fun the other day because uh, one of them was is working on films. And he was like, you know, sometimes it's really great when things go wrong. And it's like, I get the story's coming. He's going to talk about Jaws, isn't he? He's going to have another example of that than Jaws. Like, no, he's like, you know, the shark didn't work on Jaws. <laughs> and that made it a better movie. They're having fun conversations. People come yeah. in with, I've heard people come in with weird questions and they kind of like, I don't know. It looks fun. And it looks like uh, exactly what it says on the tin, right? Mm-hmm. Of just mm-hmm. uh, not too many uh, uh, dramas to be caught up in. Not a, not a beige office, all that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think, you know, uh, if, if it was entirely a career, I have thought about, you know, other careers that are not necessarily creative, but if it really was cash, I'd also be interested in bartending because yeah, yeah, yeah. that was one great thing about Kinko's. I describe Kinko's often as a, it is a, uh, a restaurant or it's like a restaurant where everyone can see the chefs and yell at them to make your food first. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of it is making things and it goes fast when you're making mm-hmm. things. Yeah, uh, so I, I often thought bartending would be fun because you get some amount of uh, social time, and then when you're working hard, it goes by fast. Yeah, yeah. You would like bartending because you get your regulars. You know where you, they come in, they might request you sit, want to sit in your in your area of the bar or whatever, and and uh, you know what they like, and especially during downtime, like in the earlier part of the of the night or even afternoon, like you can actually have like interesting conversations with these people. Um, 
and they might yeah. make it, it might be an easy drink, right? Like they just they want a glass of wine. <laughs> easy. Great. Right. Done. You don't it's really just, have to do. Yeah. A yeah, lot of bartending, hearts, right? Exactly. The, the mojitos where it's like, okay, all right. Throwing me a curveball, you know? <laughs> okay. yeah. 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 And I think uh, the, in another career would be like, I, I am interested in what, what would it be like to be a counselor or therapist? So I could really oh, yeah. uh, try that out by bartending. That'd be great. That'd it's be basically awesome. just. Poor people drinks while you're interviewing them for non-recorded podcasts. That's what bartending is, right? That's You'd be a her. great therapist. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to think of skill sets. Uh, you, you were, you've been a server, right, Jennifer? Yes, I've been a server and I was a, a bartender for a very short period of time. Wow. Yeah. So is, would you want to go back to those? What would you want to do um, uh, for a, a make money now type situation? No, I I, I I waited tables for a really long time. Okay. Um, but it, it is good money and it, it is pretty, you can, not, I wouldn't say consistent, but like in the sense of you would kind of know, okay, on Friday nights, you're going to make a certain amount, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if it was not great, you could I, always kind of bank on a certain amount. Um, I'm actually trying to figure that out now. I'm searching the job boards, uh, figuring out what I could possibly do. I still am acting. I'm still auditioning for commercials. I had like mm-hmm. four auditions last week. It's great. <sighs> It's a little demoralizing because mm. <laughs> if you, you may you may get callbacks, you may not, you may get put on a veil, you may not, you still may not book the job, but it takes up a lot of time. Mm. And so that's something to consider is like, okay, if I get a day job, then do I have to factor that in as well as like my kids? <laughs> I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, all of that is a consideration. But what I used to love to do, which is no longer a job really. Uh, when I was a PA, I used to spend eight hours logging uh, interviews, B-roll for my producers, and I loved it. I would just sit and watch these, and I just there's something therapeutic about, I don't know, typing mm-hmm. and just like listen. I'd have my headphones on eight hours for like a week. I would just be transcribing stuff. But nowadays, there's software that can do it for you in like mm-hmm. a minute. And it's pretty accurate. So nobody would need to pay me uh, $15 an hour to transcribe. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. And the, the time thing is such a, a big deal because I think uh, uh, for people who um, haven't uh, ever wanted to or haven't had the uh, opportunity, the privilege to pursue a creative career, I think it's, time is such a big thing because you have to take shot after shot after shot after shot. Mm-hmm. And that takes so much time. And that's the thing for me, that's the, that's the balance and why I weigh uh, other jobs so much. And, and, you know, it, it, it is about time because uh, I need as much time as possible to write as many things as possible, to shoot as many things as possible. Yeah. Getting, doing stand up it's not just working on the material. It's far more. The work is finding the gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and, and now social media, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So it, yeah, the, the time factor is enormous. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, a question I think we've been circling around is, uh, Ken, for you, what's the best thing about a steady job as opposed to what, what the three of us are all doing right now, uh, some amount of self-employed gig economy work? You know, I think it is. I, I do think it is the, the people and the relationships. And that might be the thing I do miss the most. Uh, pandemic and, and lockdown you know, notwithstanding, like I feel I don't have, I haven't made as many new friends, right? I haven't been around. I don't have, uh, I love going to grab a lunch when I can, 
with my pals, but it's like, uh, we're all busy working number one <laughs> or, or trying to you know, make our gigs uh, become some, but that's the thing I miss of just the daily, you know, it's, it's that thing of like, you actually spend more time around your, um, your work, uh, your coworkers than your family. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true for better or worse. It's true, but there's a lot of better in that. Um, literally having some relationships that have formed out of, including the one I'm in uh, now, the, the, the forever relationship here that, the, that's gone on, started when I took a job that I've already disparaged in this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, friends and still having some friends and, and 20 years, you know, people, there's still people I, I don't talk to as much anymore. Um, just life takes away, but I still, there t- a text or a phone call away and I met them in August of 1998 at a job. And, and that's the thing. I miss, and I, I'm not currently looking to date. Uh, won't be, but I have some friends who are trying to find partners, trying to date, and they can't. And part of the reason is they're home alone working. Mm, <laughs> right. And there's only so many bars and parties and swipe rights you can make. And I'm not saying workplace relationships is where it is, but the, hey, your coworker has a friend. You go to a bit. There's a lot of those things. And that's perhaps maybe the thing I, I, I miss the most. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a, a good job really can uh, grow community in, in a great mm-hmm. way. And it's also like if you're if it is a job you physically go to, which not all jobs are these days, mm-hmm. you're going to a coffee shop. You're going to yeah. uh, all these places that that aren't work uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jennifer, for you, what's uh, what's the best thing about having a steady job as opposed to some of the, the piecing it together stuff that that we're doing? I see it with as, as what I say, a tale of two sisters. My sister is a teacher. Obviously, we know I'm an actor. And so, like, we will commiserate. Like, she'll tell me about her horrible day with, you know, these students or whatever. And and I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty bad. But then she's like, yeah, and I'm going to this craft fair and I, you know, I'm going to Target and buying all this stuff. I'm like, oh, that, well, that's why you have a job. You know, you can, you can buy those things. You can go on your vacation. You can do these things. And then she's like, but you're going to be so creative. And I'm like, yeah, it's really exciting. I get to do these creative things or uh, whatever. But then, you know, the, the money side, the financial side is always a challenge. So I think the grass is always greener. And if you can find Mm -hmm. a balance, I do miss, I miss people. I mean, auditions now are primarily like uh, uh, self tapes. So I actually had my first in-person audition, like, oh my God, in years. Mm. And I was working with other actors Mm. and it was like, oh shoot, this is great. (laughs) I am incredibly rusty uh, working with other actors like that, getting your notes from the casting person. And it feels so much, you feel so much more accomplished when you leave because you're like, I did a performance, right? I know Mm. they saw it. I got to talk with other actors. I got to be in the moment with these other people. It's great. Whereas when you're doing it at home, you send it off. You hope somebody's watching it. I, I directed myself. I gave myself notes. I edited it. I hope that I chose the right take. (laughs) It's all these things, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how things have changed, but I, I, yeah, both sides can be, can be good. Mm. Yeah. The difference between interacting and broadcasting is a is a huge thing, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, that that we're wrestling with. And yes, I, I've been feeling uh, very lonely too. It, it, I think we, it's an epidemic, as uh, mm-hmm. some people have said. Um, there there are great things about uh, people not going into uh, their jobs. So I you know I know for a lot of people that's been a boon of the pandemic. So I, I'm not speaking to that. I think there's so many things that have uh, 
complex systems that have uh, mm-hmm. made us uh, feel isolated. But I'm definitely feeling it. And it, one of the many reasons that I was like, I need to focus a little bit more on film because it has to be collaborative up to a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I was like, I could, what if I focused on novels? <laughs> That's even more alone time. Uh, so, so uh, I think community is a great answer. Um, I think not, not a lot, uh, not all jobs are like this, but if you can get the kind of uh, uh, good steady job where it is contained and when you're done, you're done. Right. That yeah. is definitely a grass is greener on the other side thing of, you know, and I know many people have jobs where like, no, you still got to be watching at 10 PM. Maybe you'll get a text from your boss kind of thing. Uh, but if you can find that kind of job where you're just like, I clocked out and no human on earth can touch me. <laughs> and now my time is my time. Uh, Amazing. I love those. Factors, uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think one of the one of the other things that that can be really good about a, a steady job is, you know, I think a lot of my self worth is attached to being a, a good worker and, and doing a good job, and and I, I think I got sometimes a cleaner uh, uh, validation of that um, when I worked part time at at museums. Uh, that was great because almost everybody there were, were creative people. My bosses were creative people. Uh, I ended up casting uh, my boss in a show I wrote <laughs> for one of the museum jobs after I, after I'd quit. Um, so there's a lot of understanding of it. Um, but it was still like, I did, I had a good job. I had a good day at the museum today. I had a great interaction uh, with these people, but that was me doing the museum's work for them. Yeah. Mm. And it, you know, it, I think as we all know, it, it, it's the creator industry is hard when almost everything you are selling is yourself. Right. And yeah. it's so hard to separate, you know, stand up, acting, you know, uh, uh, filmmaking, whatever you, you, you're, you're, you're animating it by, by giving something of yourself to it. You're, you're mm-hmm. selling a sliver of your soul. Um, and I, I know that plenty of people find, feel that way about their, their jobs too. But for me, uh, I think that's sometimes when I think back on steady jobs, I'm like, that was really nice to just feel like mm-hmm. I did a good job, but I was doing the work of the museum and I was selling the mission of the museum mm. versus I am selling myself. Like there are some days where you're just like, where can I go to get away from me? <laughs> <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Proud of myself and I like myself, but it's like, God, there's nowhere I can go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I can just take a break from the day job of being myself, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as you as you say, uh, Jennifer, it, it is grass is always greener on the other side, and we're, we're lucky to have the, the things we have. Um, Want to close out by perhaps looking to the future. And Jennifer, you are uh, in some ways uh, the best uh, uh, situated to look at the future. Um, wh- wh- how are you going to prep your children for their first jobs? What are you going to tell them? I think. Oh man. Um, I think the the concept of hard work is something that we've been really since day one, because I got drilled into me talent. You're talented, which is dangerous for kids, because what happens is, is that when they're they're not instantly good at something, they're they might say, I'm not good at that. I can't mm. do it. Right. So because I was talented at certain things, I was like, oh, I'm I'm talented so I can do this. And this is this is my calling as opposed to, oh, if you work hard, you can you can maybe become talented at lots of things. Mm. So for what we're talking about is, you know, 
basically anything is anything is possible if you work hard at it. And obviously, some people have more of a nat- natural inclination. My eldest is extremely tall. She really wanted to do gymnastics. And I was like, yes, you can work hard. And she has worked hard. But I was like, you, you might naturally be better suited for volleyball or basketball. And so you know, trying to, trying to balance both of those things and the idea of also like earning things. So they, we go to target, they might see something and I'll say, okay, take a picture of it. And so that, that feels good to them. They've taken the picture of it or we favored it in the app. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to earn that. And so you're going to earn it by, you know, getting, doing your homework and doing chores and we have a star chart and they can earn things, not as much lately, but like, especially during the pandemic, I had to have my star chart Mm -hmm. because they just didn't, they shouldn't want to get up. She didn't want to get dressed, right? Like she didn't have to, she wasn't going to school except on Zoom school. So it's like, here's your star for getting dressed. Here's your star for brushing your teeth. Um, And I think it really helps to have incentives for kids. Um, and so that's for kids. I'm, I'm yeah, I want, star chart. I want star. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially like if you, if you're neuro neurodivergent, as I've been learning, like for myself, uh, it's so important. Like when we don't want to do the hard things, the procrastination, what's an incentive. I'm going to have my favorite snack when I tackle this difficult task that I don't want to do. Cause that will make mm-hmm. me look forward to it. Right. So just all these little tricks that we can, that we can teach ourselves and it's just finding what works best for your kids or yourself. Mm. That's great. That is great. Great yeah. advice. I've learned a lot today just from this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to give myself a star chart and if I take a shower, I get to buy an action figure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I remember my acting teacher once said that he was like, you know, you're going to be freaking out for your callback. So think about focus on what you're going to do after your callback. If you want to go to Starbucks, get your favorite drink. Think about that. That's your reward for tackling that, that hard audition. Right. And that really helped me that kind of drill that into my brain was, oh, I can reward myself with treats. <laughs> <laughs> really, what is a job except for being rewarded with treats? <laughs> a treat of cash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, Ken, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, this is great. I No, Jen, this is some insightful stuff. And I wish to, uh, I definitely been taught hard work, but there's uh, a, I've talked before about sometimes you're told you're gifted and talented and therefore you, you internalize that as well. I don't have to work as hard. Uh, And that's something uh, that's important, but no, this is great. And, and uh, yeah, I love the the fun, the, 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 the painful memories, but also how it all still matters and it takes you forward. And and I'm uh, looking for some new steps myself. So this is uh, great to revisit the old ones. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff uh, all around. And I hope everyone listening uh, has a job, a career, however you define it, that brings you uh, joy as well as money that we all need to survive. Uh, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Hive Social. If you're over there, we're also on Threads as well at Four Center Pod. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks for those who joined us for the live stream last Friday. You can still catch it. If you missed it, podcast is available on Acast, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot of spots. Just search, you'll find us merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. And thanks to those that do that help make this part of uh, an ongoing dream. It's mm-hmm. lost on us. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com. If you're still listening to this point, I know sometimes I can get the analytics. This is the drop-off part in the podcast. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe we should do these plugs up top. Uh, I uh, am uh, on November 3rd, released my first song that I co-wrote with Brian Tiller and Sean Arnold under the band name, the moon agers It's called tell me, tell me it is out available on Bandcamp. It'll be available anywhere after that on Apple, Spotify. We love if you swing by uh, the moon agers.bandcamp.com links are on my website and uh, pre-order it. Uh, really help uh, make a dream a reality. So thanks for those who've listened already. Jennifer, where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok at JenniferLanda1138, YouTube, Instagram at JenniferLanda. I'll be sharing my Furby costume and getting back to making videos about all things retro very soon. Good, good, good. good. Joseph, take us home. All right. For the three people who's <laughs> hanging on to the bitter end, we appreciate you so, tweet, so much. Tweet out. Tweet out if you're hearing this. I want to tweet. Yeah. Please tweet it for the pod that you're hearing this outro. <laughs> or or Squeet or whatever we're doing over on the oh other ones. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes. You can find all of my stuff uh, at josephsgrimshaw.com. If you happen to be in uh, Mobile, Alabama or near it uh, this uh, coming weekend, I will be at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Same festival they do in Portland and Rhode Island. But they're uh, they're wanting to reach out to different people in different parts of the country. So they're putting on the festival in Mobile, Alabama. I'll be there to do uh, some panels and a Q&A about uh, the short film uh, that we made, The Nightmare, Adorable. I also uh, wrote a and performed an audio version of a short story, a short cosmic horror story. It's about 45 minutes long. I put it on Bandcamp. It's called The Beast That Ate the Dawn, and it's, it's got some uh, some funny stuff in it, but it's an actual dark, scary story that I had a real lot of fun doing. So if you're looking for something spooky this Halloween season, you can click the link over to Bandcamp on my website, josephsgrimshot.com, and check out The Beast That Ate the Dawn. Check it out, my friends. And post, tweet, Twix, whatever you want to do, let us know that you stick to the end. You're the end crew here at Other Side. We'll see you next time. <laughs>